Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Apparently that's what the weather's going to be like outside here in Starkville in just a few minutes. Uh, rain, rain, go away. Better today than on opening day of baseball, though, I guess, because I'm going to go you know, watch an indoor sport today. This is Thunder and Lightning, no pun intended, here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad, Rhino down there in Studio X. He'll make sure everything runs good tonight. Runs well tonight, I'm sorry. My grammar's not good, evidently. Thanks for joining me, as always, here on a Wednesday evening. We are two hours from tip uh, at the Humphrey Coliseum, Mississippi State taking on LSU in what is... A strange must-win game for the Bulldogs, who have suddenly started to pick things. Up. I want, let's say, you know, let's not say strangely. Let's not say, uh, let's not say, you know, it caught us by off guard. If you're a loyal listener to this program, if you're a loyal listener, to Sports Talk Mississippi or to the Thunder and Lightning podcast, I've been telling you, team was playing better. They were getting better, and once they got through that really tough opening stretch where they played what Alabama twice, Tennessee twice, Auburn, who was ranked. And then TCU, who they were able to beat, they were, things were going to get a little better for Mississippi State. And now they've won three straight. They're going to try to make it four in a row tonight against an LSU team that has lost ten in a row. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And to put themselves in real position next week to grab some quality wins. A, a quad one opportunity at Arkansas. A quad two opportunity, assuming that, our, that Kentucky doesn't do something to bump back into the top 30. Which I don't think they will, considering they lost last night. Uh, but then two quad two two opportunities: Kentucky and then at Ole Miss. Believe it or not, Ole Miss is a quad two game, the way that their net is currently set up. So resume building opportunities for Mississippi State, and I and I mentioned this in the I think the final segment of Sports Talk tonight. It's really strange when you, you think about big games, right? Normally you think, okay, you know, you got a top twenty five or top ten team coming into town. That's a big game for you. For Mississippi State in basketball right now, the big games are the team are the games like this: LSU. You play South Carolina at home in a couple weeks. Uh, you play Vanderbilt on the road. The game at Ole Miss. The games against the teams whose nets are down in the hundreds. State has to win all of those games. They can afford a loss at Arkansas. They can afford to lose to Kentucky at home. They might even could afford to lose to Missouri on the road. But they cannot lose these games. Against these, you know, for lack of a better word, bad teams. And that's what LSU is right now. They've lost 10 in a row. They won their first conference game, and they've lost nine straight in the SEC. Plus, uh, they lost to Texas Tech in the SEC Big 12 Challenge a few weeks back. Uh, and they just they just aren't a good basketball team right now. They're not playing with any confidence. Uh, they're not playing with, with a whole lot of, of pep in their step, which you can imagine, right? A 10-game losing streak would drain anybody. Um, and so they come into Starkville to play a team who I, I don't feel like State has peaked. 
I don't think we've seen State play its best basketball yet. But they're getting better. And they have been getting better, in my opinion, every game since the Georgia game. You know, you look at the Georgia game, and they played, that's their worst game of the year. And that's a game that's going to end up costing them. It, it may be a game that ends up costing them a tournament spot. If Georgia continues to lose and they become a quad three or a quad, you know, I don't think there'll be a quad four loss, but if they continue to lose, it's going to be a black mark on State's resume. And that could be something that the tournament, that the committee looks at and goes, well, you know, look at that game. But since that game, State has gotten better. They, 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 they still lost some games, but they played better. They played better. Offensively, they've gotten better. They seem to have figured out some things on the free throw line. They figured out a few things on the three-point line. Tolu Smith has started to come around, and he's playing his best basketball of the season. And now Mississippi State is set for success if they can just handle their business the rest of the way. They, 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 they could use a win in one of those games that I mentioned, the, uh, the at-Missouri, at-Arkansas, Kentucky-at-home trio. One win in there, and then you handle your business, what is it, uh, tonight? With LSU at Ole Miss, South Carolina at home, uh, at Vanderbilt. That's that's five more wins. You would be eight, that's eight and eight and nine. And then the, the only game I left out was uh, Texas A and M, which is in Starkville. Texas A and M is a bubble team as well. So maybe put them in that in that list with Kentucky and Arkansas and Missouri of of get, of what you can do. Can you get two wins out of four there and then win the other four games? You're in at that. I think you're in at that point. You might you might need one in Nashville, but at that point you're probably playing you know a a team you've beaten already for a, you know to 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 solidify your spot in the big dance. To say Chris James is ahead of schedule in year one would is a real understatement. I, I you know I had no inkling, no idea that we would be in the middle of you know towards the middle of February. Still talking about this team being reasonably on the bubble and being being an option for the NCAA tournament. That that is something that was not in my brain when the season tipped off in November. I thought at this point, you know, okay, so they're, they're what they're they're fifteen and eight. My guess is back then I would have told you they would have been doing good to be twelve and eleven, and you know, in a position to you know if they could win a few games down the stretch, go to the NIT would have been a great first year. Instead, Jans is, is way. If Jans gets this team into the NCAA tournament, I don't really care that Alabama has is having the kind of year they're having. Jans would be the SEC Coach of the Year. And it would be a travesty not to give it to him. If he gets this Mississippi State team, with as flawed as it is, and their flaw is not uh, they can't block shots. <laughs> it's not that uh, they're not great on the offensive boards. They can't shoot. They can't shoot from closer than like five feet out. Three-pointers and free throws have killed this team all year. Of their eight losses, five of them are related to free throws, and two are probably related to three-pointers. Simple as that. If he gets this team into the NCAA tournament, I mean, what's he going to start doing when he starts getting better players in, which I think he's going to do, when he starts getting guys who can shoot and score in? It's good times. And, and Mississippi State women's basketball, big win for them uh, Monday night against Tennessee. That was a, a resume win for them that they really needed. They didn't have a quad one win, and they needed it. 16-7, and seven, Purcell, you know, I mean, this is a guy who's a first-time head coach. There were always going to be some growing pains. Maybe, you know, you don't like the fact that you lost to Ole Miss twice in a season for the first time since, I think, 2012, something like that, 2013. You don't like that. I, I get that. But 
There are always going to be some growing pains with Sam Purcell, but he's 16-7. and seven. With the games that are left on the schedule, they should get into the NCAA tournament. State should have both of its basketball teams in the NCAA tournament when we get to March. At the very least, Selection Sunday, Selection Monday will be very interesting for both squads, I think. So, you know, that's that's great news. And I, it goes back to something I asked Zach Selman a few weeks ago when we had him on Sports Talk Mississippi. As a new athletic director, it, it's got to be kind of refreshing to come in and know I shouldn't have to fire any coaches anytime soon. Nobody's on a hot seat here at Mississippi State right now. Arnett hasn't coached a, a, a game yet except for the bowl. Jans and Purcell are both succeeding in their first years in, in Starkville. Lamonis is two years removed from a national title, and it looks like he's got a good enough team to get back in the NCAAs this year and, and erase any doubts about him. And even even your auxiliary sports, you know, soccer made the NCAA tournament last year. Volleyball made it two years ago for the first time ever, and, and softball's really good right now. I mean, Mississippi State right now is enjoying a, a time of coaching stability that you don't normally see in the SEC. You don't normally get the uh, the 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 amount of of you know just hey, it's good. They're winning for the most part. It's good times. It's it's a lot more pleasant for me too. You know, people people will probably think like, oh, hey, Dad loves it when there's turmoil. Yeah, you know, I don't mind being honest about it, but you know, from a I like you guys to listen in. I don't think you guys enjoy it so much when I just, you know, have to stand on the soapbox and tell you why things are bad. You guys want to hear why things are good. Things are pretty good right now at Mississippi State. They're pretty good right now. They'll get better tonight with a win um, over LSU if the Bulldogs can pull that off. That is a really, really good game, though, uh, for Mississippi State. What's my bet on the game tonight from Mike and Oxford? My bet on the game tonight is the same bet it's been all season long. Take the under. And I don't know what that number is off the top of my head, and I don't care. Take the under when Mississippi State plays. They just held Missouri, a team that averages 83 points a game, to 52. What are they going to do to LSU? Take the under. I think it's. I think the under on the season is 18 and five for Mississippi for Mississippi State. And I think the two two of the the ones that got away from them. One was the overtime game with TCU, and the Florida game got away from them. A little bit, I think. I think that's the only two, though, that I can think about. And then I'm sure there was some in non-conference, but you know, sometimes you just you get on a run. There's nothing you can do about it. So. I want to go a little further into into Mississippi State basketball. We'll talk a little bit more about LSU, a little bit more about Chris Jans, a little more about these players when we come back. Plus, we'll talk some baseball on today's show. And I got a, an announcement with somebody that's something that's coming up on the Thunder and Lightning podcast that I want you to check out very soon. We'll tell you all about it here tonight. This is Thunder and Lightning live on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning, 
Morning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Don't forget, if you ever miss a minute of the show or you just enjoy it and want to listen to it again, you can always find it wherever you get podcasts. Just subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. You get this show. You get my five Thunder and Lightnings I do every uh, week with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, plus any other uh, content that I happen to put out there, which I have a piece of that we will reveal later in the show. We'll tease. Keep you keep you on the hook for for a little while longer. The uh, the under for tonight, uh, as Mike in Oxford was asking about that. I think it's a different Mike in Oxford than we, we normally have. Uh, so it appears this Mike in Oxford. Are, are you a state fan? I can't I can't tell from your texts. If you are, that makes you the better Mike in Oxford. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Uh, under tonight is one twenty five and a half. So state on Saturday. Uh, get the 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 number ended up being one oh sixty three to fifty two one eighteen six no yeah one eight one fifteen one fifteen and that was playing a team in Missouri that gives up eighty three points or scores eighty three points a game so I mean they were they were under on they were under this number tonight playing a team that's much better offensively than LSU is so yeah I feel pretty good. That state will be under. I mean, if what was it 125 and a half? If you told me that state won 63 54, something like that, yeah, I got I got no issues believing that that would be the score. So, yeah, I feel I feel good in, in, in confiding and in consulting you, Brian. Hey, that handicapping services here to uh to take take the under. Why is Mississippi State playing better all of a sudden? Why? Why is that happening? I'm gonna vote. I'm gonna vote for Tolu Smith as the biggest reason. It really shouldn't come as as a surprise. It shouldn't be any big shock for me to tell you that. Hey, when your best player plays well, you you win games. But the numbers for Tolu are so dramatically different from the start of conference play to to now. The game against Alabama, you could almost say Tolu single handedly lost that game for Mississippi State. He was 1-for-7 from the field and 3-of-15 from the free-throw line. State lost by 11, and Tolu Smith missed 12 free-throws. So State put him in position to have, let's let's say he has a perfect shooting night. Not expecting that, but let's just say he did. State put him in position to have 29 points, and he had 5. In a game you lost by 11. Tennessee, I, I remember watching that game at Tennessee. I just didn't think he was very confident after the Alabama game. He only had nine points. He played uh, 22 minutes. Against Ole Miss, he was better. He had 15 points, 5 of 7 shooting. Then against Georgia, right back to being bad. 1 of 4 from the field and 3 of 11, 3 of 11 from the line. They lost by 8, and he missed 8 free throws. They missed 15 free throws as a team. He was better again. He had double-doubles against uh, Auburn and Tennessee. He, was tw- he had 20 points against Auburn and played really well. That was a game where State shot the ball well inside the three-point line. It was their outside-the-three-point line shooting that killed them in that game. Remember, they were 0 of 18 in that one. Tennessee at home, he was 4 for 11 from the field. He had 11 points and 11 and 10 rebounds. A double-double. But, again, 4 of 11, not really good enough for a guy who takes most of his shots within 5 feet of the bucket. And then again against Florida, a double-double, 12-11, and 11, but he was 5-15 of 15 from the field. And that's the game where you might recall that Chris Jans put him on the bench for the final stretch and State put their comeback together with Will McNair out there. 
And then against Alabama, early in the game, they pulled Tolu out again to put McNair in. And I've said it before, and I don't know that Jan said something to him or that Tolu just made it clear that that was that. Tolu finished that game 6 of 9 shooting with 15 points, and then since then he's been basically unstoppable. He had 27 and 13 against TCU. He had 15 and 8 against uh, South Carolina, but that's only in 23 minutes. You know, that, so that, that for a, a 40 minute game, that comes out to almost, you know, almost 40 points. I'm sorry, almost 30 points. And then against Missouri, he's 25 of 12, 25 and 12, including 9 of 12 off the free throw line. So he was three, you know, he was three of 15 in that first game, three of 11 against Georgia, but against TCU, South Carolina, Missouri. Hold on, guys, it's math time. He's 17 of 22. I mean, you're going to take that from your big man. So, I don't, I don't think it's a, a case of as Tolu goes, Mississippi State goes. But it really, really, really helps <laughs> that Tolu's playing better because that's what this offense is predicated around. And that's what we talked about when we said, you know, this team is not as bad as, as these losses are making you think they are because I knew they were getting open looks, they were getting shots close to the bucket, and they were getting to the free throw line with a lot of regularity, and the players just weren't executing it. I knew that the coaching was good. I knew that the game planning was good. It was just the players weren't able to execute it. Now they seem to have figured some things out. Now they still got a lot of work to do shooting the ball, especially from behind the line. Eric Reed, Eric Reed, if I did the math right on Saturday night, is one of his last 22 from behind the arc. That's just not getting it done. Missouri was leaving him open because they, they had no confidence in his ability to make a shot. They basically looked at that as, a, as an automatic turnover, and it was. He was 0 for 6. D.J. Jeffries was 1 for 6 from 3, but D.J. found some success slashing, running in transition, and getting to the bucket, and I'm hopeful that tonight he will continue to do that. He's a very valuable member of the team defensively, rebounding, ball handling. He provides all that. But you got to get a little bit more offensively out of him, and that's going to start with him being able to drive into the bucket. He is a guy who can do that. He's got the height and the strength and the athleticism to get into the paint and, and get better looks. He doesn't need to settle for threes. And then you have Cam Matthews, who's been playing at a pretty high level these past couple of weeks as well, especially on the defensive end, which you expect from Cam Matthews. Guy's one of the best one-on-one defenders. Deshaun Davis has turned into a more reliable shooter. And then, as my cousin Steven likes to say from uh, from Six Pack Speak, that Shaq Moore is kind of the straw that stirs the drink uh, for this Mississippi State team. His emergence and him taking a spot in the starting lineup has also been co- you know coincidental or coinc- coincide has coincided coincided is the word I was looking for uh, with Mississippi State getting better. Had a monster game uh, against TCU had a monster game against South Carolina, was in foul trouble, uh, as was Deshaun Davis, or as they call him, Rams. The kids call him Rams. I don't know I don't know how I would like I need to ask him that. I need to know how a guy whose name is Deshaun gets the nickname Rams. Not Ram either. Rams. Multiple. Multiple Rams. But they were in foul trouble uh Saturday night and Jeffries and Matthews had to carry the team. That was an odd starting lineup. That there were an odd lineup they put out there towards the end with uh, a lot of bigs, you know, and, and you get two two guys who play your small forward, power forward in your traditional starting five as your point guard and your shooting guard. That's what they had to do. Tyler Stevenson has helped a lot too, coming off the bench. The states really found him as as that sixth man, a guy who can get you buckets. 
He can get the, he works that mid range game. You know, the mid range game is kind of a lost art these days in basketball, especially if you watch the NBA. Nobody shoots the mid range anymore. It's, it's dunks and it's three pointers. Nobody, nobody's shooting the long 15, 16 foot jumper anymore. But Tyler Stevenson has that in his game, but he can also drive to the bucket as well. State's got a bunch of guys who are physical and can get to the bucket when they need to. That needs to be, and that's been the focus of this offense for the most part. It's been driving, getting easy looks, and then getting the free throw line. From the first Alabama game through the second Alabama game, or to the second Alabama game, they weren't converting those looks and they weren't converting those free throws. Since then, and I mean, even in the Alabama loss, State played really well. They lost by three to the team that could end up being the number one overall seed. They had the lead late in the game. They just ran out of gas. I thought that loss, again, you know, I'm never going to be the, oh, well, there's a moral victory, or they, you know, I don't like the, uh, you can take something from a loss. I get that, but in that instance, I thought State learned about itself that they were a better team than they thought they were, that they could go out and play with anybody in the country. That night in Tuscaloosa, had they been playing almost anybody else, even a top ten team, they probably would have won. But Alabama's just so good, and they and they made the shots when they had to. Since then, State's been playing its best basketball. They've been going up, and I still think there's another level. I think there's there's more consistency to be found from the three point line for sure. I think if you could take, you know, State shot twenty three pointers on Saturday against Missouri. They were three of twenty. But what if I take six or seven of those three pointers out, and I turn those into two-pointers, which you're shooting at a 60% clip, and I give you another four buckets there. That's what State's got to be thinking in terms of. they got to be thinking, 23-pointers is too many. Let's shoot 12, and let me take a step inside and try to find a, a better look. Hopefully that'll be the case tonight. Big game against LSU. State's a nine-point favorite, by the way. Can't believe State was State was 1-7 in the SEC you know, three weeks ago. Now they're a nine-point favorite in a conference game. Crazy world we live in. All right, let's talk some baseball when we come back. We're only nine days away from the first pitch. We got times for that today. Hallelujah. We'll talk baseball, Diamond Dogs, when we return. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm gonna do a read here. You know they, they don't they don't they, I, they don't know if they trust me with the reads or not. I don't know if they're just like hey don't let Hey Dad do those. But uh, I'm a company man. You know I, I I try to take care of uh of Super Talk. They take care of me, so I try to take care of them. So let's uh let's do it here. Brace yourself, Rhino, in case something goes wrong. But country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford. And Super Talk Mississippi is going to give you a chance to win tickets. Just enter your name at one of our registration boxes 
located throughout the state. For example, you can register to win tickets by going by uh, Sage and Willow Boutique in Corinth, the Atrium Mini Mall in Meridian, or at Watts Brothers in Columbia, and many, many more spots. Go to supertalk.fm slash Wallen to find the full list of registration locations. Winners will get two sweet seat. That's that's they're not the, the seats are sweet, but they're actually in a suite. You get two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vaught Hemingway Stadium on Sunday, April the twenty third. The uh, ticket is giveaway is brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. I did it. Rhino clip that so I don't ever have to do it. I just, we just play it from now on. We don't have to worry about it. I don't have to do it again. Mississippi State Baseball, uh, first pitch, I can't believe it, is nine days away. Uh, times are announced today, 3 p.m. on Friday, uh, 2 p.m. T- uh, first pitch on Saturday, and 1 p.m. on Sunday, which means, for me personally, that I'll be there Sunday. Uh, because Friday I'll obviously be on the air with Sports Talk Mississippi, and then Saturday I am planning to go up to Oxford for Mississippi State Ole Miss basketball. I figure that game has a little bit more importance than State's second baseball game of the season. But that being said, last year, when you look back at the, at the opening weekend of the season, State dropped two games to, to, uh, to uh, oh gosh, who was it? I don't even remember who it was now. Was it Long Beach State? Or was it UC Irvine? It was the Dirtbags, whoever it was. I can't remember. I can't believe I don't remember who it was. Um, but they lost two out of three games in that, in that, that opening uh, weekend. And I felt like people, you know, for the most part, Long Beach State. That was going to drive me crazy. Uh, I feel like people, you know, they, they don't want to overreact, right? They don't want to. They don't want to look at it and say, "Oh, well, it's just the opening weekend. It's baseball. We got a long way to go." We're gonna we're gonna have some truths about baseball that some of you all y'all need to hear. I believe them very, very, very much. Um, when you want to talk about hosting, now, do I think Mississippi State's going to be a host this year? I don't. I don't know. It's going to be very tight. I think State's probably going to be on the road when we get to regionals. But if you do want to host, you have at most six games you can lose in the non-conference, and that's assuming you have a really good conference record. You're like eighteen and twelve. You can lose maybe six, maybe depending on who they are. Remember last year, State lost the game to Northern Kentucky in the second week of the season. That was an RPI bomb. That was a 250-plus RPI team the rest of the year. You can't lose those kind of games. So I am just going to tell you straight up that I'm going to look at this first weekend against a VMI team that won 18 games a year ago. They were 18-40. and They were not a good baseball team under any circumstances. I'm going to look at those games, and if State doesn't sweep, I'm just going to go ahead and put you on alert in week one. And I'll just, I know, I know, people are oh, you're overreacting, and you're way ahead, there's a lot of baseball to be played. I get it. Really, I do. But State needs to be able to go out in this opening weekend and dominate these, this team. This is not a good baseball team coming to Starkville under any stretch of the and, and last year we were kind of fooled. We thought that Long Beach was this good baseball team. They ended up missing the postseason. I'm going to take more away from opening weekend than I maybe ever have before. I feel it is 
paramount that State gets off to a fast start. Because your next series, your second, your second series in Starkville, week two, they're playing Arizona State, who, you know, not currently ranked, but that's a power program. That's a program that's been in Omaha many times. That's a program that, that's good out there in the Pac-12. See, you know, you, and then your, your, your second uh, week or your third week of the season, your first midweek game there is down in Jackson against, uh, against Southern Miss. And then you go to Frisco for a tournament with Ohio State, with Oklahoma, and Cal. Those first three weeks, three series, or three three-game series, and uh, three midweek games. So a total of 12 games. State needs to be 10-2 and two at worst. Otherwise, I'm going to be looking around with questions. Maybe 9-3. and three. I could live, you know, if they lose a game, they shouldn't lose to VMI. But let's say they lose one to Arizona State. They'll say they lose to Southern Miss and Jackson, and they lose one at the Frisco Classic. They're the nine and three. That's that's good. That's fine. No no worries there. They're eight and four. Are they worse than that? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that making the postseason is 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 going to be hard at that point because a team that loses four games in that stretch, I'm not going to trust to win 16, 17, 18 games in the SEC. They're going to be closer to 12, 13, 14 games, which means they'll be on the bubble. So we're going to take a lot from the opening weekend. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to look at that and say they they better be good. They better come out and, and, and perform right from the jump. Dwayne and Brandon, in your opinion, will Kellum back clean up this year or further down the lineup? To start the season, they'll probably be fourth, third, fourth, fifth in the lineup. Like, you made me guess early on. Oof, I don't know who would hit second right off the top of my head. Like I think, I think Amani Larry, the new second baseman, the transfer from New Orleans, will, will be the leadoff guy. And then I think three, four, five is some combination of Colton Ledbetter, the transfer from Mercer, Hunter Hines, and Kellum Clark. Maybe Slate Alford hits second. That's a guy that I think State is is really going to count on this year. Luke Hancock could hit second early in the season just because you trust him there as a veteran bat. That's a guy that you know you feel really good about. If Larry can be a guy who gets on base, Luke Hancock can be a guy who moves the runner because he's a contact hitter. He's a guy who doesn't strike out a lot. He walks and he he puts the ball in the play. So even if he's not getting hit, he's advancing the runner. So Han- Hancock batting second, we'll go with that. And then we'd say I'll say Ledbetter, Hines, Clark, and then maybe Slate Alford sixth. That might be the way it looks early on, and then, you know, uh, the the rest of the lineup. I'm trying to think my way around. Obviously, Forsyth will hit eighth or ninth. Um, who have I left out there? Is this the center fielder? Yeah, who I think the center field is kind of still up for grabs. And then the DH, DH could be Connor Hijack, the transfer from uh, from VCU. We talk a little bit more about this in detail, by the way, on tomorrow's. Uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast. We go into a little bit more detail about these these transfers and where they're going to fit in. Um, and then you have the true freshman uh, Dakota Jordan, who I think is going to get an opportunity at least early in this in this season to maybe stake his claim to one of those outfield positions. He's been a guy whose whose name keeps popping up when you go to the scrimmages, and he's hit, he's not just you know getting on base and 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 doing this that and the other. He's 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 hitting home runs. He's hitting extra base hits. 
very talented baseball player. I, I fully expect him by the time his time is done in Starkville to be a star. But you know, what is he going to be as a freshman? And can he? That was one of the questions I think I asked Crystal Monis a few weeks back when we had him on the podcast. Was you know, is there a freshman who can have that Hunter Hines uh, impact? And I think Dakota Jordan is the best case scenario for that. It's sorry in terms of somebody in the batting order. And then there's you know a guy like Aaron Downs who you know battled injuries last year, but he's a very good hitter. Uh, I think you know this year when he's healthy, he'll he'll make his 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 claim for some for some playing time as well. Um, so so a bunch of guys there, and a potentially you know, a good bit of pop there in that lineup. You know with Clark Hines, Ledbetter, those should all be double digit home run guys. Hancock was a double digit home run guy two years ago when he had more you know more guys in the lineup. So he's got the potential to get there. And then, you know, we'll just have to wait and see on, on Jordan. I know Jordan has the, the potential. When I say potential with him, the potential for Hancock and the potential for Jordan are two different kinds of potential. When I talk about Hancock, I'm saying, okay, I've seen him hit double-digit home runs before. I know he can do it. With Jordan, the potential is he has potential. He's a freshman. You know, he's got a high ceiling. I'm really He's a guy I'm excited to see uh, early in the season. I'm very excited to see this team. I feel like they they really are, are chomping at the bit to get back out there. But they they don't want to they want to get the taste of last year out of their mouth as much as they can. Especially Chris Lamonis, that guy. I know he's been suffering through this offseason. He's been really ready to get back out there on the field. All right, when we come back, I got a little bit of an announcement for something that's coming up on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Plus, we'll give you one last thought on uh, Mississippi State LSU tipping off from the Humphrey Coliseum in an hour and twelve minutes. This is Thunder and Lightning live, Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Mississippi State tips off in about seven minutes. My guess is all of the affiliates that cover Mississippi State sports uh, will switch over to the pregame show uh, very shortly. Neil Price and Richard Williams live from the hump tonight. We need to get Coach Williams on back on the show with us here simply so we can learn more about the game of basketball. That man can teach literally anybody how to play the game of basketball. Um so some good news for your Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. This Friday, I will be talking with new Mississippi State offensive coordinator, Kevin Barbe. Looking forward to having a sit-down with him and uh, going in-depth in some ideas uh, into what he's talking about offensively, uh, what he expects to see from this group, and how he plans to install things. You know, He's got a lot of personnel to move around, so we got a lot of questions for Kevin Barbe. That will be on the Thunder and Lightning pod feed, uh, podcast feed late 
Friday afternoon. So a little uh, heading into the weekend. You know, you're sitting there at work. You're, you're like, well, I'm going to spend the last few minutes of my work day. Oh, Brian got me taken care of here. We're going to listen to this interview with Kevin Barbe and get with him. So that's uh, that's I'm looking forward to that. And uh, a good bit more. Mississippi State LSU. Like I said, it's weird that the, the the big games for state are against these teams that aren't ranked, that are, that are actually at the bottom of the conference. But that's where states kind of put themselves. That those are the must win games. Those are the, the there's already a, a taste of survive and advance for Mississippi State. Simply put, if they lose to LSU tonight, their chances of making the NCAA tournament take a massive hit. Like, if you say right now, I think State is the, the 10th team out. A loss to LSU would probably remove them entirely from the discussion, and they would have to maybe win out to get back into it. And that's, maybe that's unfair, but that's the hole you dig when you start your, your SEC season 1-7, and seven, when you lose games where you miss 50% of your free throws or more. You, know, you got no one to blame but yourself in that. That being said, State's a nine-point favorite. Uh, they're playing some of their best basketball of the season, and uh, things are going well. So we'll see how it turns out for Mississippi State. They obviously have quite a bit uh, of work to do, but at the same time, they they have the ability to do it. They have the ability. They, they're playing it at such a high level. And Tolu Smith, the way he's playing right now, I, I, had, I got an interesting text I'll tell you guys about. I have a friend that covers Kentucky. He sent me a text unsolicited. I, I, I didn't reach out to him about it. I didn't ask him anything. He said, he basically said, look, I don't know if Kentucky's going to, to lose to Mississippi State. They, that, that game could go either way. But Tolu Smith is going to dominate Oscar Shreveway. That's the reigning SEC player of the year who has not had a great season. He's, like, he's not played well this year, and Tolu, the way he's playing, Tolu will have at least 25 in that game. I'll just tell you my opinion that if, if Tolu Smith has 25 points against Kentucky, Mississippi State's going to beat Kentucky. That would be a monster win for Mississippi State. But that's a couple days away. That's that's a week away, for, as we, actually, as we speak. LSU tonight, Arkansas this weekend, quad one opportunity for Mississippi State. If you were paying attention, Arkansas last week, they only uh, beat South Carolina by two. South Carolina had multiple opportunities to tie or win the game. Just couldn't get it done, which is what you would expect from South Carolina. They're not a very good team. So Arkansas's vulnerable. They're gettable. They have issues down low. Mississippi State can take advantage of that. The problem, obviously, is playing on the road and playing in Bud Walton. That's just such a hostile environment. Mississippi State, historically, has had little to no success. Basically, the season State has been able to win there have been good seasons for Mississippi State. Those are seasons they've turned into NCAA tournament appearances. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. But like we said, tip-off in uh, just about just about an hour from now uh, over at the Humphrey Coliseum. I wonder what the crowd's going to be like. I, I think it should be a good crowd. The, the weather's getting bad here in Starkville. Uh, I know there's, there, there was some severe weather up here in the north part of the state uh, today, and it, maybe it's just passing through now as we speak, or about, maybe it's going to get worse as the game goes on. But I expect there to be a pretty good crowd. The crowds have been good this year. People have bought into Chris Jans. I think part of that is the reason, the way he plays. his teams play basketball. It's attractive to Mississippi State fans. But the, you know, the winning helps. The winning certainly helps. For the Bulldogs, they've they've been playing well. I think you have a good crowd tonight uh, over at the Hump. And then, goodness gracious, listen, you know, if you win tonight, what happens on Saturday is kind of gravy. But let's just say that they let's just say they lose. Regardless, Wednesday, the fifteenth, 
with Kentucky? Should be a big-time crowd, big-time atmosphere at Mississippi State. And then I wonder, and we talked about it yesterday on Sports Talk Mississippi, what does the pavilion look like on Saturday the 18th? Ole Miss has home baseball that day. Most Rebel fans, you think, would go to the baseball game. Could we see a maroon and white takeover of the pavilion? We'll find out. I'll be there. I might not be wearing maroon and white, but I'll be there. You know what I'll be thinking. I'll be going on inside my head. I'll be very, I'll be the silent fist pump under the bench. Just, yeah. Let's go. Stuff like that, you know. All right. Thanks again to Rhino down there in Studio X. I appreciate him. He takes care of everything for me, makes it easy. And I appreciate you guys tuning in every Wednesday night. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you again very, very soon. This has been Thunder and Lightning Live on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.